We're back, bitches. It's the Off Five. It's the podcast where we talk about every episode of The Office. Two new friends talk about The Office. That's right. Season four, episode 12, The Deposition. And I think at one point I might have said this was my favorite episode. Uh, So crazy to stop right before it. (laughs) But oh well. (laughs) But oh well. We do what we want. That's right. So there's a few things about this episode that are... I always want to use the word fortuitous, but I think what I mean is serendipitous. Predominant. Predominant. (laughs) And one of them is that uh, it came out on November 15th, 2007. Today is November 15th, 2020. So it was 13 years ago today, which is, we didn't plan that, but it happened. And I think we need to celebrate that fact. All right. Second drink. Second drink. And um, the second thing is that this episode was the last episode right before the writer's strike and the hiatus that um, the writers went on. So there you go. We're about to go back on hiatus right after this. So (laughs) what are the chances? I don't know what they are. (laughs) Can't even calculate the odds, but uh, (laughs) should we talk about Wikipedia as the best thing ever and read our episode description? Let's do it. Do you have it? I've got it. All right, let's switch off every sentence then. Okay. Jan Levinson and Michael Scott travel to New York City for the deposition of Jan's lawsuit against the company. While Michael originally intends to be a witness against the company, he ends up defending the company. Meanwhile, Kelly Kapoor talks smack to Pam Beasley after Daryl Philbin beats Jim Halpert in a game of ping pong. Prompting Jim to spend the entire day practicing in the conference room. (laughs) So we've been doing a podcast about sex in the city and those episode descriptions are so bad. So, I mean, I'll take anything. That's true. They're funny. (laughs) Yeah. Funny. Funny to try to comprehend over there at Sex in the City Wikipedia. It's not the best source ever. No. It's not the best thing ever, but it is here at the Off Five in the office. That's right. And I'm really glad that they got the accurate description of Kelly Kapoor talking smack, not trash, because those are two completely different things. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. This episode was directed by Julian Farino, who I think directed most of Entourage. Entourage. <laughs> and it's written by Lester Lewis, who did some Flight of the Concords. Oh, cool. One of my favorite shows and one of the shows you have not seen still. <laughs> or have you? You don't know that, but no, I have You got it. HBO <laughs> Max, you better. Uh, okay, buddy. <laughs> I, sorry, I was just reading my note that said, hiya, buddy. <laughs> hiya, buddy. Hiya, buddy. But that's how we should have started the podcast. Hiya, buddy. We can end the podcast with bye, buddy. What else do you have for the production and trivia? Any trivia? Notable trivia? Uh, well, the end, last scene, we got Dwight and Moe's playing ping pong very professionally, rapidly in the warehouse. And they just CGI'd in the tennis ball, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I was wondering how that happened. Or am I thinking of Forrest Gump? They did that in Forrest Gump. I think they did it in this one too, but I don't know. It would be pretty easy to do that. It's like 
the first ever video game called Pong. <laughs> That's right. They just take the footage from Pong and you overlap it or maybe like just make yeah. a really tiny version of Jar Jar Binks and have him bounce across the table. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Same diff. The table itself is a green screen. That's how easy it is. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Crack Open a Cold Open. <gasps> crack Open a Cold Open. Where we talk about not only what we're drinking, but also the cold opening of this episode. And right. this episode... Opens up with um, a really cute little montage. Yeah, it does. It is a montage. So Pam has been giving Michael messages on a post-it note every time that he's in a, a uh, meeting. And it's just for show. Mm-hmm. But he gets caught because he's with Ryan. And uh, Pam gives him a post-it note that says, Hiya, buddy, with a little hot dog drawing on it. And then he has to... Art. Yeah, there you go. Your your little doodles. <laughs> They're not uh, little doodles. It's a hot dog drawing. That's a stick figure. Yeah, it's art. It's, it's art. Yeah, the best. The art best art of, of all, all the art. art. Yes, <laughs> dude, we're you still back. got it. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then Ryan says, "No, no, no. You should call this person." Am I explaining this right? I think so. So it shows her bringing the note into a bunch of different meetings, like meeting with accounting and a meeting with a lunch meeting with Jan and meeting with sales staff or something, which also is like the most we've ever seen Michael work in a montage. (laughs) (laughs) He's like having seemingly constructive meetings. But yeah, then then he brings it to Ryan and it doesn't work because Ryan's like, you got to take because he says it's an important client. Yeah, you got to take your your work calls, buddy. And he's like, he's like, no, my house, my rules. And he's like, I insist as your supervisor, take this call. Yeah. And so then he tells Pam to patch it through, but there's nothing to patch through. So he answers with what the sticky note said, which was, Hiya, buddy. <laughs> which is weird because it doesn't sound like how you would address the most important client you have. <laughs> but you know what I was thinking? <laughs> there was the one like when he's talking with Jan and then she brings in the note. It's just a smiley face. Seems like they're having an affair or something. Like, yeah, liaison. If, it, if I, I that think it would be was so damning if I got caught. If it was intercepted, yeah, I agree. I think like I think that Pam should put um, something a little bit more business related on there. Like, Dunder Mifflin paper is the best paper, or something like that. <laughs> you know, um, or even Hiya Buddy is okay, but like those ambiguous ones. I don't know, even Hiya Buddy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would definitely think that they have like a close friendship. That uh, we've not really seen. I wonder if Michael has to remind Pam to do that. And also, obviously, they don't have like uh, at my work, we have Microsoft Teams, which uh, the bane of my existence because it's a constant worst. It's like constantly I'm getting tagged and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, Uh, because if you were in a meeting and you had to give someone a note or something. All you do is send them a Teams message. So mm-hmm. this is like more analog. Maybe they should be using like a Dunder Mifflin paper instead of Post-it. But uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, speaking of Post-it, let's let's talk about uh, Kevin's chilies, the references, because Post-it note. But also, what are you drinking? I oh, yeah. I was going to. I'm drinking a um, basil mint hard cider from Seattle Cider Co., 6.9 ABV. so good. 
It's pretty good. It was a little too sweet for me. I also got a four pack of cranberry cider from Incline Cider Company, and that's a little better. Um, Is that kind of tart? A little more tart. Yeah, I don't really like the uh, sweetness of the basil mint, but um, with a 6.9 ABV, I'll do anything. You'll do anything for a 6.9? Oh, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Um, That's what she said. That's what <laughs> um, I'm drinking uh, Kirkland gin on the rocks. And if you haven't <laughs> had Kirkland gin, well, you're missing out. It's not like their beer. It's really good. Okay. So Kevin's Chili's, where we talk about the pop culture and also other references. Yeah, I had that too. I just wrote down in my notes, sticky note, but they do say post-it note. And it's weird that they would, uh, I wonder if they got some money for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Never thought of that. I would hope so. And then they could have, you know, cut themselves and put on an adhesive bandage because they weren't able to work out that deal with Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> adhesive bandage. Yeah. Could you hear me? Uh, okay. So I have movies, some movies that were mentioned. Um, the Pelican Brief, The Plaintiff, and The Firm. <laughs> this was during <laughs> the deposition. Yeah. And isn't it Julia Roberts and The Pelican Brief? Oh, Is I don't right? know. Is there one also called The Deposition? No, the plaintiff and the firm. Because he says, do you know the plaintiff? And he's like, I I haven't seen it, but I plan on renting it. I did see the Pelican Brief. I wonder if this joke was written by B.J. Novak. Because in his book of short stories, uh, One More Thing, or Stories and More Stories, I think it's called. He has one that called The Something. And it's about, I don't remember the plot, but it's like John Grisham coming up with the name for his new book. But it, it's like, because all of his books are the something, the, the, the. Oh, yeah. I so bet. that was like already like on his mind comedically. Yeah, the John Grisham stuff. Yeah, this is um, a 1993 American legal thriller film based on the 1992. Oh, wow. So he wrote the book in 92 and then they made a movie of it the next year. And it does star Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. Oh, my gosh. It's a good wow. movie. It's a good movie. I wonder what it got on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know about the other two, The Firm and what was the other one? The Plaintiff. Is The Plaintiff real? That sounds like the least real of all. (laughs) (laughs) Let me look it up. But yeah, I've seen Pelican Brief. You should watch it. Should I, though? Yes. Why did you why did you watch it? (laughs) What made what about that movie made you want to watch it? I love Denzel Washington. Yeah, Yeah, I I love Denzel Washington. He's such a good actor. It's always the first president. He. He's our first president or our first black president? Uh, first president. <laughs> Still alive. I love Denzel Washington. He, he's like one of like John Q. Such a good movie. Training Day. Such a good movie. Oh, man. You need to learn. I don't more know if about, I've ever seen a movie with him in it. You need to learn more about your culture. <laughs> <laughs> As an American. Yeah. He's just ugh, great actor. Um. The plaintiff is not, well, it has an IMDb page, but it doesn't have any inf- information about it. All it has is, all it says is comedy and that's it. <laughs> a comedy? Someone maybe wrote this after they watched it. I think that was based on this episode. Yeah, I think you're right. That's yeah. funny. Uh, well, we also got a reference to some some uh, song called Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. Hey, hey, you, you. I don't, I don't like your girlfriend. Cause, 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 I think cause. you need a new one. Cause he's bad at ping pong. 
Yeah. Uh, do you remember that song? What's your history with Avril Lavigne? Lavigne? Um, the Easter Bunny brought me a CD player one year and an Avril Lavigne, Avril Lavigne CD along with a uh, Vanessa Carlton CD. Wow. The Easter Bunny does all that? Yeah, I guess so. And I was like, probably, I don't know, maybe, wonder what year that came out. I'm going to guess 2003. Well, I mean, it was partially a ploy because my my sister still believed in the Easter Bunny after I did. So I still got stuff. Um, Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. When did that come out? What year? So it's like the Easter Bunny came here. He brought us some eggs that are plastic. With chocolate in them. He also brought you a CD player and a CD. <laughs> and it's Avril Lavigne. He had them in his sack <laughs> on his Easter sleigh, just pulled by mole rats. Oh my gosh, it's 2007. Do you think of the Easter bunny as being big or like a small bunny? 2007? No, that can't be right, can it? Can't. Surely yeah, not. It is. It's the because Skater Boy was like way earlier than that. That song sounds even less mature than that. Oh yeah, maybe it was an Avril Lavigne CD um, that was a little earlier. Because I was like, I don't think I was thirteen and getting stuff from the Easter Bunny. I hope not. Sucks to be you missing out on that all that Easter. Okay, Wait. yeah. So Let Go, her debut album was released in two thousand two. Um, no, it was the lead single from her third album, The Best Damn Thing, in 2007. Produced wow. by Dr. Luke. Ew. Wow, so I was 15. Wow, so it was really current. It came out earlier this year, the, the the song, as this episode. Same year. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. That makes sense, because Kelly's not known for like making outdated pop culture references. She's like hip. hip to That's things. true. So, uh... How old were you, or what's your history well, was, with Avril? I mean, at first I was getting into punk, and then when I saw her with her tie and her eyeliner, and I was like, you know, 16 or something, or 17, I don't know. Part of my brain was like, she's not a real punk. And part <laughs> of my brain was like, she is so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, I don't know, it was a lot of conflict for me. <laughs> Yeah, but like to say she's not a real punk is not really punk of you because. Well, I wasn't a real punk. I was just like some <laughs> crappy seventeen-year-old. <laughs> uh, probably yeah. I was like, I look like a sixteen-year-old. I don't know. I was trying way too hard. Wait, isn't that is it pop punk or what is the genre? Yeah, I mean it's mostly pop, but she has a lot of punk look. And then and then I heard that she came to to my town and played a show and I was like I'm not going to that and then someone I know went and said she played drums during their cover of Blur song 2 and I was like oh man should have been there should have been there bruh yeah damn damn this pretension of mine anyway that's probably enough talking about girlfriend by Avril Lavigne yeah cause I really wanted to talk about Zoran Primorak Jean Ove Waldner Wang Tao Jorge Rubkoff Ashraf Helmi, Hugo Hoyama, and Andres Gruba. Those are my heroes. <laughs> I knew it. That's Not a lot why. of Americans on that list, are there? <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't think so. Jan Ove so Waldner. But um, yeah, those are the those are <laughs> the ping pong heroes of Dwight's. Another reference that we've got in this episode, and they're, they're all real ping people. Ping pong heroes. Dude, dude. Yeah, they're all they're all real people. 
Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have known, right? No. Way. No, I wouldn't have either. It just seemed like a little gibberish. People that are really into it, like Dwight, call it table tennis, not ping pong. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oops. Yeah, it's like if you call it like tennis bounce, bounce hit, bounce racket or something like that. I don't know. It's just the sound it makes. Ping it's pong. It's an onomatopoeic. Onomatopoeia. Uh, yeah, onomatopoeia. Damn. Um, Is that the right word? What other references do you have? Other, you want more references from me? More? After <laughs> I I've given so many? I don't yeah. have any. And no, I don't either. <laughs> you didn't even give that many. I, I had to say all the German names. I know. I was just, in my notes, I just put all those tennis guys. <laughs> so I, I salute you. <laughs> Thank you. Question. Would they let a documentary crew into a deposition to film? Do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I I would think maybe they would just send in a person to do like a sketch, sketch artist. Yeah. Although I always wondered how Lil Wayne's deposition video got filmed. And I don't know if it's, if it was leaked or not, but if you haven't seen it, you should watch Lil Wayne's deposition video. It's pretty, pretty funny. Almost as funny (laughs) as this. But anyway, I was just wondering that because, you know, the documentary crew is obviously like... Like, all the people who are involved in the deposition, they seem like they're pretty comfortable with the documentary crew. They're not, like, looking at the camera or anything. So, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the contract that Dunder Mifflin has. But, whatever. It's so crazy that they would even agree, like, the corporation would sign that contract with this documentary. Because it's not, like, a promotional documentary for Dunder Mifflin. It's Mm -mm. just quite the opposite in some cases. But, like, you could see Michael signing it. But, yeah, they're just, like... I don't know. That's just what happens. And that's that's I do feel like maybe this this, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, you got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this because I feel like that would go well there. Yeah, because like they brought at least two cameramen to New York and they're there and it it does kind of feel like this wouldn't be in the documentary, but this is an important thing in the show. So we're going to film it and show it to you. Yeah, exactly. It's really pivotal for the plot or the arc of the season because there's so many callbacks and it's like so tied to the arc of the character portrayal of Michael and Jan and their relationship. So they had to include it and couldn't really use like sketch. I mean, I guess you think about like another way that they could have portrayed this and it would have been just basically like the talking heads interview of Jan afterwards or michael afterwards but it doesn't really give you like the whole flavor of it because you know they're not going to tell you the details about how the that's what she said joke got mixed up and stuff like that yeah it wouldn't have been as funny for sure no other things i noticed for we got to make sure youtube comes down to film this there's a really very angela and dwight moment that jan and michael have at lunch at the um by the way great food court that they have in corporate um, i know wow like a salad bar all this stuff but they talk about so they like kind of pull each other aside and say like how could you do this how could you bring my diary to use as evidence and she's like well you took my picture in jamaica i guess we're even i love you i love you too and like then separate again and i thought that was like very angela and dwight of them yeah and also it's so funny. He's like, oh, it's under your side of the bed. 
I don't like the so she's like yeah, you keep it under my yeah, he's like I don't so he's like admitting that obviously you would feel it yeah it's just funny that like that's where he keeps his diary and um that he's admitted to himself that yeah I, I do okay but it's because I don't like the lump it's like very practical <laughs> yeah yeah like there's no other um, hiding spot you could think of not handy when you're writing it late at night <laughs> so you mentioned the montage at the beginning of the post-it notes and then there's also another montage which we don't see a lot of in the office but a montage of kelly's insults that have happened throughout that day oh yeah uh, toward pam you know her, her smack talk yeah that's true and they're pretty good <laughs> yeah but like that's a lot of insults for one day like if it had been like over the course of a week or something but she never changes her clothes during that so i'm assuming it's all the same day which leads us right into fashion show fashion show fashion show at lunch yeah by the way that dress was very flattering on her the wrap dress and the color with her skin tone looked really great and you can tell that we've been doing a sex in the city podcast because now we're really into fashion so into fashion i loved her pink dress with the groovy 60s abstract feather design on it it looked really cool and it looked like Pretty, pretty professional, but also you could go clubbing in it. That is totally a Kelly move. Yeah. The other thing I noticed was Jan's bad hair day that she's having for the deposition. And that's only because Michael really wants the top down in the PT Cruiser. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Convertible. And it's because he's feeling queasy and nervous about the deposition. Here's my problem with the name convertible. <laughs> it makes it sound like a car is changing from one thing into a different thing. Like you can convert it, right? Yeah. From a car that has a roof on it to a car that doesn't. What yeah. car doesn't have a roof on it? You're not converting it to something else. You're just putting the roof down. What would you rather have it be called? A uh, uh, top down, top down. Yeah. Top down ass up. <laughs> <laughs> the hang off me lady's chest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just seems weird that like it's like it's converting it to something else that you don't usually see. Although maybe that goes back to the earliest days of cars when they were all open carriages. Oh, yeah. And it's better than like transformer. You know, car is short for carriage. Is it really? Oh, my gosh. This changes things. So. OK, I have to go. I you thought I was You'll ever believe that auto. Oh, caravan. I don't know. So what else did you notice that was fashionable? I don't know. I really liked Pam's cardigan with her hair, but that's just that's just normal. She just looks adorable. I mean, that is a great color on her, that like periwinkle or like cerulean. Yeah, um, it, like it caught my eye. Like I don't usually write down everything Pam wears. It was like it was pretty Pammy, but it also looked better than usually what she's wearing. I don't it's know. funny that you say that because I was thinking that Jim's shirt unbuttoned like the three top buttons with a little chest hair coming out because he's hot from playing ping pong <laughs> that's what he's i hot. that's what i liked <laughs> yeah he uh that was the fashion i can get behind <laughs> he doesn't work at all today and he doesn't give a shit and he's just got his shirt off and like untucked and unbuttoned and no tie and... i'm into it <laughs> yeah i that's the other one i had down uh any, any other dudes we can objectify? Because I feel bad about objectifying <laughs> two women. I mean, Jim was called a floppy-haired girl in this episode. So. Oh, okay, so that counts. <laughs> yeah. Against us, though. 
Yeah. Uh, warehouse people are wearing warehouse things. Everyone, you know, I like uh, uh, Jan's suit too. Like, it, it looks really nice. Yeah, Michael's suit looks really dumpy. <laughs> it does. It looks so bad. I'm like, what are you doing? You think I don't Jan think it's a, a mysterious one. Like, <laughs> honestly, that one looked better on him than a lot of the suits he wears. I know. And like the print on the ties is so bad. It's like, where did you get that? 1980s? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about, do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? I'm ready. Oh, wait. Can we talk about, before we get to characters, how the turntables? Yes. So I want to bring up a really big one. Is it you were directly under her the entire time? <laughs> no. <laughs> that one was like, that one was a, a joke that Michael tried to make during the deposition, which is so awkward. And then that poor person who had to like be the stenographer. Yeah. And, um, and she had to read it back. And then <laughs> Michael was like, yeah, but like she's butchering it. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one I wanted to talk about is when it's from the past, but it's when Michael says, I feel very iry. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, uh, well, you know, and then he, he says eerie, and then Michael says, no, iry. Which is a Rastafarian greeting. Did you know that already? No, I had to look it up. Did you? Oh, okay. No, I, I didn't know what word they were trying to say. So I'm like, I better look it up. But I found on Reddit from user Soy Sauce and Love. <laughs> uh, he, he made a post that said, I, I always thought this was just another play on Michael's inability to use slash read words correctly. However, at second glance, I realized Irie is actually a Jamaican word from the Oxford definition, chiefly in Jamaican English, nice, good or pleasing used as a general term of approval. So Michael may have actually been right in this correction. He might yeah. just have been feeling uh, nice or good because of all the Jan intimacy. He's yeah, Jan all over. that's really that's really funny. I mean, I'm sure that he spelled it wrong in his diary. Yeah, maybe. But um, it is kind of like how the turntables. He was just saying, hey, man. Hey, man. Because I was right after he got back and he was like trying to throw a luau in the office. So it makes <laughs> sense. Feeling hot, hot, hot. hot. Wow, I miss summer. <laughs> Me too. Um, how the turntables? Oh yeah, I also like how he gets caught sort of in a lie and or contradicting himself, and he says line. <laughs> yeah, I liked when he said her actions were completely rightful, <laughs> and it's that's you just hear that and you know that's not rightful. It's not the rightful <laughs> way to use that word, but uh, you know, rightful is a word. It's like if you're like the rightful. Rightful heir to the throne. Yeah, like, but it's not like a descriptive of, of the way you would just say her actions were completely justified or righteous. You know, righteous, righteous, <laughs> bruh, righteous dude. <laughs> and then also they hang off milady's chest. Yeah, I love that. That's like the funniest, <laughs> one of the funniest parts dude, of. Did I say that? He calls them the twins in a deposition. <laughs> and then he says, to be delicate, they hang off my lady's chest. And then <laughs> they make milk. He said they make milk, which I'm like, okay. They don't make milk until you're, you give birth. But they're they, the thing that would do it. And then he's like, 
He's like, you don't have to go any farther. The breasts. <laughs> yeah, we got it. <laughs> to be delicate, they hang off my lady's chest. I'm going to start saying that at work. I'm going to be like, okay, so today you're here for a clinical. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just say it. I'm not going to say Twin the manogram. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say the B word. I'm just going to say I'm just going to be delicate. They hang off my lady's chest. Exam. <laughs> <laughs> my lady yeah. so good okay and, uh, and i referenced it before but the the timing was nothing short of predominant he says <laughs> when she got fired and uh, that must have been like a mix-up of two different things two different answers he had memorized which <laughs> were what what do you think that means well what do you think so they like the the timing was nothing sh- short of you know coincidental or, or like um more than coincidental or something like that yeah serendipitous predominant (laughs) predominant yeah i think it has it's saying predominant because it's like it would be you know your breasts would be more forward if you got breast (laughs) enhancement or like delicate (laughs) or maybe it's like um it has to be something that he memorized that's like has like starts with a p like uh (laughs) my friend pre Do- was Dom? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to my periodontist because he has ants. Periodontants. <laughs> it's like when the when um Pam and Michael are on the the lecture circuit and they and he says like uh, mole guy and like what does he call like all those? Oh, and then when he's trying to like yeah pepperoni Tony, he gets back <laughs> pepperoni there. Tony. Yeah. 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 That guy's like pizza. Yeah. And then that is, it's his it's his memory technique. And Jan's like, does that work? And he's like, yes, of course. <laughs> like, okay. And it did work. There's many things he's above average at. Like what? Memorizing lies and uh, and ice skating. <laughs> yeah, right. He's also above average in the bedroom in terms of being able to put up with sleeping at the foot of a bed on a small, small little cushion. <laughs> he's above average at that. I mean, why would he need to put his diary under Jan's side if he doesn't even sleep on on the bed? He's sensitive, okay? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Wow. Yeah. The, 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 her side of the bed, he meant the bed instead of the ottoman. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't have fact checkers like us when they were writing this um, this show. But Well, um, because this episode took place at the beginning of the writer's strike in November, and the next episode didn't come out until February, I think. Like it was a long break or April. Uh, it was it was it was really a long break between this one. It was like a sudden break, so maybe they didn't know and they didn't they couldn't watch it because a painful. hiatus. Yeah. Um, were you watching it live when that happened? I think so. Yeah, I remember the writer's strike for sure. Like I remember that there was no new TV to watch. I like I didn't really have any things at that time, so I, I my like little crappy literally TV with a dial on it and free to air TV. Uh, I did watch a lot. Like, I think I had the conversion. Like, there was like a, at the time, if you sent in, you could get like a $50 credit toward a digital to analog TV converter, which I think was around this time. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't start watching it live until the episode about CPR. Ah. Which we haven't gotten to, but we will. Ah, 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 ah. Watching it live. Yeah. Watching it live. At first, I was watching it on Netflix. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I wasn't even watching it on Netflix. I was just watching. Well, you can't tell by the way I watch The Office that I'm watching it live and there's time <laughs> to talk about things because I'm watching it. Because anyway. I'm watching <laughs> Watching live TV and it's so crazy. Like you like go to the bathroom for too long, you miss. You don't know what happened until like later, like years. Yeah, mm. I know that's so bizarre. Okay, let's talk about the characters. All right. Do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? Let's start with Ryan. Ryan, oh God, Ryan. He is the other girl in the diary. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as hot as Jam, but in a different way. Toby thinks this is hilarious. It's a cool, great-looking best friend. <laughs> I paused it when attorney for Dunder Mifflin, like the, the chief counsel, had the diary open. And I could see, like, a lot of words about best friend and, like, stuff. But but I couldn't quite read a whole sentence because, like, half of the page is out of focus. But you can oh, see, like, the part that's highlighted. But you do see, like, a lot of stuff where it's like, wow, I guess we, we could maybe, you know, and stuff like that. Wow, that's that's funny. I didn't know that you could see that. Um, and then he also pulls Michael aside and says, hey, can we talk off the record? And he's like, I would love nothing more. Like, he's so happy to have like a, um, you know, someone to lean on. <laughs> well, he was like, can we talk as friends? Yeah. Yeah. Off and the he, record as friends. Um, and Ryan basically just says like, hey, I don't want you to screw over Dunder Mifflin. Um, and so Michael's really caught here. Between a rock and a hard yeah. place. Yeah. In the cold open, before Pam brings in the note, he's kind of condescending him. He's like, it's like, you have to learn this. I can get you a tutor. Yeah, which is nice. Like, at least he's offering support, you know? You know, I, I always thought of Ryan as like a killjoy. But like when you see the way he treats Michael, he's like really working with him. You know, it's it's so hard like to yeah. not just to be like irritated immediately. But he's like. He's doing that, you know, and he's like, he's he's not just like a dick where he's like, he's like, okay, take your work call, friend. Like, we have to do customer service, you know, and like, I, he's right. Customer service is a priority if you're just talking about like some sort of training or whatever. I know. And it's, it's like in contrast to Jan, who's like impressed by the like fake power of it. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because you'd think that that would be like uh, Ryan's move but um yeah the impression you get is that jan and ryan charles minor these people are like bad at managing michael yeah but as we watch it and look at their individual decisions they're really not that bad at that i think it's michael he makes you crazy if you try to manage him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's unmanageable. And so like it, like Jan was really competent. And Ryan, like, I don't know, my general impression from watching the show without really thinking about it a lot was that Ryan was just like kind of like a cocky guy. Obviously, he like does fraud and stuff, so he's not great. But his like manager decisions, the way he like deals with Michael is not over the top. It's not like it, it's actually kind of the bare minimum you would have to do to maintain some level of order and respect in an office that Michael was managing. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, straight from business school, like he does have the techniques, you know, um, the management techniques that he needs to be competent and he offers the same support to Michael in this and, and also, you know, just this like firm. And that is a really hard transition to be, Michael's employee and then become his supervisor like that would be really really difficult to change that role 
he is kind of cocky, but you're right. He's not a bad supervisor. But also for being 2007 and not having a website, like he's right that the company needs to update too. So like he's not, yeah, he doesn't have all the answers, but like it, it would be ridiculous to not have a website at all at that time to, to like place an order at. And so like he's right, but like the show, the show isn't totally thinking he's wrong because all that stuff is kind of there to stay, but it also kind of like, you know, pokes fun at social, the social media type aspects of it and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. It does a fine job. Yeah. Uh, the company itself we can talk about, but let's talk about Kelly first. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. She's talking smack, not trash. And that means that it's happening now, now. Like I know you're ugly because I got the proof right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite smack talk she does? I think the like, oh wow, you're uh, the floppy haired girl you're dating got a point. <laughs> oh really? Uh, my favorite one is uh, we're Jim's cousins. We're Jim's parents' cousins that were also bad at ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was That's so good. funny. It's like. You have no genetic advantage if your family, if your parents are first cousins. But then, like the fact that they were all so bad at ping pong, <laughs> you're really out of line. It's a good double layer. Yeah, that is knife and good. twist. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is kind of a mean girl in this episode, which I don't know. It's taken a little while in terms of seasons one through three to like really get her entire personality or like what they're trying to do with her character and this is like really like cuts to the heart of kelly's character especially when pam is coming out of the bathroom and she's going in and like she looks her in the eye and makes sure that pam steps aside and then she says i thought so (laughs) yeah she gets her to move she can't play ping pong herself and neither can pam (laughs) But they're both kind of, I guess Kelly's the instigator because everyone else is pretty chill about it. But then Pam has to uh, get Jim to like defend her honor because of Kelly. Jim and uh, Daryl are really not involved with that. But so she has to like set up a whole room for Jim to practice. Yeah. And I do really appreciate how they're both willing to like go against each other because it is easy to smack talk, but it's harder to like go in there and do it yourself. Um and she she doesn't back down, so that's cool. To go in and play the game at the end? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really, it kind of like deflates the whole argument if if they're only arguing about what their boyfriends can do. Yeah. Because they suck at ping pong. Cuz, <laughs> yeah. cuz, cuz, cuz. Yeah. Uh, what about, you know, a lot of the characters don't do very much in this. Just quickly, Kevin plays ping pong for a second. is like, oh, Meredith He's- says, don't patronize me. Yeah, he's like the first um, person that Jim picks out to be his opponent and um, is like his, I don't know, he says that he has to have him balance travel receipts. Um, But Kevin's like, wait, but I have Oscar balance my travel receipts, which is like, that's kind of scary that an accountant doesn't know how to do that. Um, Yeah. Poor Oscar. (laughs) I mean, I, I think ultimately Oscar and Angela are protecting Kevin so much from getting fired. I know, which is nice, but uh, it's also like, ugh, that sucks. Yeah, but I mean, nobody else really does anything. They're just kind of various, uh, you know, degrees of how much they're participating in ping pong, right? Yeah, 
Um, Except for Toby, because he went along to the deposition unknowingly. And he asks for an 11th copy of the diary. Which is funny that he calls it diary instead of journal, because like they do refer to it as the di- as a journal, but Michael said, how did you get my diary? And then, you know, it's like, of course, saying XOXO, more tomorrow. Love. I like diary. that. <laughs> I love any like overt rejection of masculine defensiveness, masculine yeah. norms. Yeah. And I, I like that Michael did that. Like, you know, it would have been a lot less appealing if they were like, well, let's bring out Michael's diary. And he was like, it's my journal. It's my journal where I write things. Like, it's it's really nice. And like, also the way he writes it, he says dear diary in it. So yeah, that is actually, week. it's endearing. And um, he's obviously picked it up from like the media that he watches. And he does like consume media that is like, <laughs> you know, like a, uh, Typically, something that a, a female-identifying person would watch, like um, The Devil Wears Prada, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So he- Hey, hey. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada is for everyone. I know. Just like the Titanic is for everyone. And um, this weekend, my partner watched the Titanic with me for the first time. It was his first time ever seeing it. He's it's like, just called Titanic, not the Titanic. Did I say the Titanic? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, because it's not by John Grisham. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, um, He he was like, I thought this was a girl movie, but that was intense. (laughs) Titanic? Yeah. Has something for everyone. That's that's its trick. It's like no matter what kind of movie you like, there's a little bit of it in Titanic. Yeah, definitely. Unless you like cartoons. (laughs) Unless you count CGI cartoons, because some of the boat was CGI, but it's very convincing. You probably won't know. Uh, yeah no but it's it's just cool that he's like that i I think it's interesting yeah he must have like that dear diary thing because i had that impression of a diary i never like saw someone write a diary so obviously it came from like books and movies tv shows that's like that's why i was like think that you would write a a diary i don't even know if i would think that you should write a diary if i hadn't heard of it you know yeah that's so true um does it keep (laughs) secrets from his computer (laughs) Yeah, that must be it. It must be Dwight's influence. Wait, what episode was it where it's the golden ticket idea where Michael says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to read you a page of my diary. Oh, you're right. And it's totally faked, but Dwight's like, you don't keep a diary. But he did, and he does, probably. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a continuity um, error, or is it? Or it, is it? Error. Error. <laughs> of the of game. The game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, See, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the pit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it. like this episode does have a lot of uh, callbacks, like I was saying earlier. Like, um, well, I guess we're we're talking about, uh, you know, we expect you're the murderer, even though we haven't talked about Jan Lovis and Gould. She is kind of the murderer. <laughs> Let's talk about about the, you never expect you're the murderer, and then we'll go back to some people we missed, like Toby and David. Okay, so yeah, there's like the callbacks to certain parts of the relationship between Jan and Michael, like the love contract, and he it's <laughs> which is framed. It's framed, yeah, and he pulls it out and says, "What does he say? Don't, 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 don't," or like. Uh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah 
Like, like they wouldn't expect that. Like, like they don't have multiple copies of that on file. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, giving par- giving a copy to HR was literally what they did during <laughs> that scene at, the, at the cocktail party. But I do love that it was framed, and then um, they obviously have a copy of the photo from Jamaica. Yeah, from back from vacation. Yeah, they also reference the first time they kissed, which was the client, and the first time they kissed sober, which was that one on Valentine's Day. I think it might have been called Valentine's Day. Yeah, and kind of recap the whole relationship, and you kind of realize for the, well, maybe not for the first time, but you realize like how dysfunctional the relationship is and how on different pages Michael and Jan were, (laughs) and... Yes, literally. Yeah, different pages of the diary, literally. Like, it's basically just like a recap of their whole experience together. That's exactly right. It's like if at the end they were like making callbacks, you know, like with like with Holly or something, you'd like go back and like reference certain things they did, like the Yoda speak and stuff like that. And it's like kind of like a walk through their past when they're getting engaged. This is like the opposite. It's like a a rundown of all this. The things they've done and how bad every one of them were, either legally or business-wise, or how incongruent it was for their character, or how inco- how unbalanced it was between how each one was perceiving it. Like everything has been bad the entire time. Yeah, and I don't think either one of them sees it that way. Still, um, how dysfunctional their relationship is. Maybe Michael is like starting to see it because. He does mention, like, you do expect your company to screw you over, but you don't expect your girlfriend, you know? And so Mm -hmm. he is starting to realize that, like, this isn't all that he thought it was going to be or isn't all that it's cracked up to be. It's crazy that he thinks it's going to be exciting to go to the deposition, like, fun. And he's in literally the worst position where he is being, like, pitted against... The business and Jan, which is like why Toby tries to come together with him on that, but he doesn't realize it at that point. But like his lack of awareness where he's admitting to memorizing answers and even calls it the perfect crime and is talking about the amount and stuff like that. But the more evidence they reveal, like less respect he gets from Jan and from David Wallace and just the entire discovery process. He ends up being like the biggest victim of everything. Yeah, he does. He's like the unknowing accomplice to everything. And it's really sad because he's got this allegiance to both sides and he cannot pick a side. Like he doesn't even know how to. It is. It's kind of sad because it's not even like he knows how to be selfish in this situation. He's not Mm-hmm. self-aware enough to have any like self-preservation even so he just like is like screwed from all angles that's what she said <laughs> he's willing to do it like he's going in there ready to just say everything chan said but you know as new evidence is brought to light and stuff he starts improvising and he doesn't really seem to have a side of no what he's doing because he-, he does see both sides of it And the evidence that's revealed is like stuff that shows that Jan wasn't on his side from the beginning. And I think like it would have been way easier for him to memorize his lines and stuff if he had known that Jan was on his side and those uh, things were not revealed showing that she was like writing bad reviews and like all this stuff. But question. 
Answer, the Question. Daily Double. <laughs> Wouldn't Jan... I thought one of the most interesting parts is they say, oh, you got to see, like, like it's admirably you're sticking up for her, even though she was giving you bad performance reviews while you're... And then he says, well, that was before we were, we were in a relationship. That actually sounds like the worst thing. Like, yeah. the contract is not to protect Jan and Michael. It's to protect the company. It's... From, from them suing them if it interferes with their work. And if she had started giving him better reviews after they started dating with no real change in performance, that would have actually been fireable and the contract would have protected the company from firing them. <laughs> that yeah, right? I, I see what you're saying. Like It actually bodes far worse to say that um, like if the uh, reviews had changed due to their relationship, that would have been even more damning. Yeah, and like that would have been easy to disguise because like normally people would fall in love kind of gradually and the reviews could shift more gradually even before they were in a relationship. But it seems like the bad reviews that she gave him were actually like entered into evidence earlier to show that that wasn't affecting her judgment because she was able to like be objective even when she was dating him. And then that's why the other side had that, you know, the... The company had that to offer up to him is because she had already entered that into like the record maybe because to show that no no don't worry even though we're dating I was still being really neutral I was giving him bad reviews even yeah I agree I don't know why that was like put to Michael you know to say like oh doesn't she have bad judgment it's like uh no it seems like the judgment is actually like not influenced by her relationship. So maybe she does have good judgment because it corroborates with Mike or David Wallace's judgment, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't help him personally, which is like the position no. you're putting him in where they're like, like, Oh look, she was still mean to you. And he's like, yeah, see, she didn't care that we were dating. She still hated me and still thought I was incompetent the whole time. Like, but like, uh... this is what it's a masterful move basically by, the council of Dunder Mifflin, because by doing this, it brings up where Michael will defend the company instead of her because they've shown that, that he was like too tied up in their relationship to actually be objective in this whole process. So he ends up like undoing the good he could have done it good. Yeah. I don't know. But also oh. this deposition has been going on for a while. They've already like interviewed David Wallace as part of it. Probably Toby was there for, you know, other parts of it. I don't know, but it seems like, like this isn't, like, it's weird that Jan is only coming today because it seems like she would have still been there earlier for the other earlier depositions, even though Michael wouldn't have been. Yeah, I agree. I don't know um, As the how plaintiff. the order. Yeah. How the order of that went or when Jan is supposed to be deposed, you know, and why does she get to be there with Michael? Was she there True. with David Wallace? You know, I don't know. But anyway, then, so we really do have Jan as the murderer. She's just throwing him under the bus and using him as, you know, to try to get the money. And um, then yells at him about uh, suggesting fast food, which is like, dude, if you wanted to go get Chinese and that was your cheap suggestion, like, I don't know. It just shows how far she's fallen. But I also like when they're when they're talking about it, it's like. They're like, she gave you bad performance reviews, and he's and Michael's like, well, she was going through divorce. She was drinking a lot a of lot water, of, of water, you know, drinking a lot. Yeah. And it's like Michael probably just based that on that one time at Chili's because she was so irritated at how he was being. But 
the way he said it definitely makes it sound like because they weren't even in a relationship. So like if he could tell she was drinking a lot when she was in a different town and the supervisor, that would be definitely drinking a lot. Yeah, that's so true. I don't know. I think it was just that one time at Chili's because she was so mad that he was being such a like like telling bad jokes at Chili's. <laughs> but it sort of sounds bad. Yeah, it really does. And they don't really explore that, weirdly enough. No. It's more the online shopping and the going to Scottsdale to visit her sister. <laughs> yeah. The pattern of uh, disrespect. Hold on. Wait. My friend Pat took a turn... My friend D's Ray got new specs. Okay, that was correct. <laughs> Thank <it>. you. <laughs> wow, that was harder to remember than the quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Michael. I love David Wallace calling him a nice guy during that thing. I don't know why he admitted he wasn't seriously being considered because that seems like the thing that legally you would never have to admit because it's, it's whatever. It's your judgment. Like, how do you determine what's serious? That seems so yeah. obtuse. But also, That's so true. When 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 they say like we're gonna read that part of David's testimony, and Michael looks back at him, and he's just looking at the ceiling, <laughs> waiting <laughs> my And then he's like, "See, I was seriously being considered." And then the next question is like, "Was he seriously being considered?" What can I say? <laughs> he says, "He says, yep, I was the number one contender. I was being groomed, which has was being different groomed. connotations, but I know what he means." But yeah. He wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love how he's like, I was being groomed. Okay. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Well, do you have any finer things that you didn't mention already? Let me see. Our finer things club. It's where we mention the finer things and we don't let you eat with a plastic fork because we just don't do that. I mean, speaking of that would be the uh, just amazing food court at corporate, which I already mentioned, but I think does deserve a second mention. Because, like, they've got a salad bar and everything. And in these times, all I can think about is, oh, my God, COVID central. Nobody has a mask on. Everybody's sharing from the salad bar. But back then, it wasn't a care in the world, you know? (laughs) No cares. (laughs) Oh, Mine was also from the food court. And it was when uh, Michael looks over at Ryan and Troy and someone else. They're, like, all the young, probably, like, junior executives. And they all have little half beards like Ryan does. And oh it's obviously my gosh. like a click. I didn't even know. And they're that. laughing. The reason Michael doesn't want to go sit with any of them is they're all like reading and kind of chuckling about his diary when he looks around. I know everyone in the food court has his diary. And then he's like, thinks the least threatening person would be Toby. He has it too. Yeah, he tries to make Michael feel more comfortable. But then Michael hates that. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to be comforted from uh, the bottom up. That's what she said. (laughs) Um, All right. I guess that was it for finer things. The other things we all mentioned, like the framed waiver of rights and Chan's hair after they drive with the top down. Yeah. Should we do some dundies and ratings? Yeah. And I always like to do this on the fly, but it's kind of hard. Who are you going to give your dundie to? Uh, They're all so bad. You know what? I'm going to give it to Toby. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good idea. He he does a really good job of empathizing, but he still is able to find the humor in Michael's situation, which he should, because he shouldn't be like such a downer that he's like, this is sad for Michael. But he like tries and he's up there and he's doing his job. He laughs once during the Ryan thing. I love I I think Toby does a good job. It was 
I think it was probably a good catharsis for him to to see that the person that's always mean to him has like a lot of reasons to be insecure himself. Yeah. Because I mean, Michael, he still does that talk with him about his parents getting divorced after Michael, when he sees him, says he needs to leave. And are you getting your divorce vows renewed before the deposition? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. So to, to come back from that, it's going to Toby for human resourcefulness. Toby Flunderson for human resourcefulness. I'm going to give my Dundee to Pam because of her cute sweater and the fact that she stands up for her man. And the fact that when that fails, she stands up for herself and says, let's do this. Like, I'm going to take you on as a ping pong um, competitor. And even though I suck, like, I'm still going to give it my all. (laughs) They can't even make it through the volley to start the game. I know. It's so cute. But they're still like so mad. They're still like both just like pee. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Cute. Drop. Yeah. Cool. And uh, let's let's give it our rating on our seven point scale, which I do not have written down. So we're going to be doing it from memory. Seven out of seven is absolutely I do. Six Six out out of seven is pretzel day. Yeah, five out of seven is Beach Day. Four out of seven is Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. Three out of seven is uh, a little stitious. A little stitious. Two out of seven is Garbage the Cat. One out of seven is This This Just just stinks. Stinks. And zero out of seven is No, please, (laughs) God, no, 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 no. So it's an eight point scale? We'll talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what do you think of this episode? Oh, Uh, man. I'm going to give it. Okay, I know. Uh, Okay. Three, Three, two, two, one. one. Beach day. Okay. You gave it six out of seven. I give it five out of seven. I was thinking about six out of seven. And it's just because I feel a lot of love in my heart for the all five. So. I will give it a six out of seven. You don't even have to convince me. Nice pretzel day. I I was like feeling weird because I do think at some point I mentioned this as being my favorite episode of all time. And when I was watching it, I'm like, this isn't my favorite episode. (laughs) I like it a lot. There's no way this is like a good dinner for my favorite episode. What is your favorite episode? I mean, we'll see next week. And by that, I mean, when Uh, the Sex and the City is done with its first season. So it's, uh, is it the dinner party? I think so. I don't even think this is as good as like the Dundies or the client, but I do really like it. And I also kind of consider this a spiritual sequel to your favorite episode, The Negotiation, because it has a Daryl presence and because they come to New York to like do some some business. Yeah, you know, I agree. So I always like kind of lump those together. Plus, they both are called the something John Grisham would approve. Yeah, he would. So let's read some reviews in our segment. Where oh. it is, our branch sucks. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But oh, uh, okay. I haven't read here's these. some reviews we've gotten since we ended. So we got three of them real quick. Dave Allen 98 said, it is a weekly must. I try to listen every week on my ride home from work. It helps me chill and laugh after a long day. And the witty commentary is perfect. Truly a favorite of mine. Aw. That's uh, nice. Yeah. The next one is from Jody. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> the next one is from Jody Office Fan. Jody Office uh, Fan. 
I don't know what I was thinking. Jodeo, Feist fan. Uh, and that one says, I would like to suggest, that's the title, that for a truly awful episode, the rating should be zero out of seven or a no, please God, no, 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 no. Which is why we've included the zero seven oh, on this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Because what are we not going to take the suggestion of someone that writes us a review? Of course Yeah, are. of course. Of course not. And... Last, we've got from Cherry Zod. The title is Soup Snakes, Smiley Face. <laughs> and it says, one of my favorites, semicolon. Excellent structure and tone, period. I like that use of uh, semicolon. Yeah, that's good. Like sitting down. Suggest that. <laughs> like sitting down with old friends. Highly recommend. So thanks that's for good. writing us reviews, Aww. you guys. And thanks for coming back. I, keep Keep us in your freaking feed we'll be back but we know that your limit you have a limited number of podcasts you can care about but if you can keep us in the back burner just for now i mean we'll stay warm for you (laughs) 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 maybe we'll see it depends on how sex in the city goes i'm kidding we'll be back we'll be back i had so much fun doing this i do think we should come back and finish season four after we're done with season one of sex in the city what do you think addy i think so too fine fine the fans want it you know but let's let's say goodbye to everyone thanks for coming back addy thank you for coming back nathan you're welcome one last job until the next job this was really fun i really enjoyed it was like putting on an old sweater. Sh- sh- yeah, something like that. <laughs> Whenever I put a, think about putting on old things, it always feels bad. Old boot, an old worn leather boot. I like, think sweater, right. sweater that has yeah. been stored uh, without mothballs. That's right. You're getting Aww. cold again, and it's time to bring that sweater out and put it back on and go, oh, there it is. And I had a lot of fun watching this episode, which is one of the and dinner complaints party, I was kind of having. Dinner party is like, um, so when I first started watching The Office in high school, it got me through a lot of really rough times. And one of my best friends still to this day, Laura, she lives in Denver, and she, it is her favorite episode. So... Maybe after hiatus, we can have a guest star. Let us know if you care or if you want a guest star, if you don't want a guest star. But Laura, if you're listening, I know it's your favorite episode, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Write us an email and tell us about that. And also just tell us what difficult times the office got you through or just that you're still listening at the off five podcast at gmail.com and write us a review because we'll read it no matter how bad it is. We've proven that we've proven that, that even though we might cry after we'll still read it <laughs> all five stars and one stars. And that's what we like to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, appreciate it, Nathan. <laughs> Bye a buddy. Bye a buddy. <laughs> Oh, that was fun. That episode was so long. You know who, who believed it? I think we should do a shout out to is uh Bitten on Lock and 
Um, they're a bakery that has been listening to this podcast for a long time. And when we went on hiatus, they were really disappointed. So I just keep thinking, you know what? We've got to do this because bitten on lock. 